Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here. I love Hillcrest and so honored to be back. I, I was trying to share with the pastor and I didn't really get to tell him all of it, but my granddaddy told me, he said, when you're old enough to walk and pack a suitcase, you walk out of North Carolina and get to Tennessee. So... That's, that's what I've been working on. Amen. I, my daddy was doing foreign missions in North Carolina. And <laughs> I just happened to be born there, but I was a Tennessean from birth, believe me. Amen. What an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for the privilege of being here. And, and can I just say how much I rejoice with Hillcrest that God brought you the man of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, you were in my prayers for so very long, and I just rejoice what God has done. And I'm anxious for the days ahead to see how he's going to continue to do a mighty work at Hillcrest right here in Lebanon. I'm also honored to be here with Brother Mike Stone. What a man of God. I am so grateful for a man who has a backbone like a piece of wrought iron, who is the chairman of our executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I pray God will make that backbone even stronger. Thank you, brother. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. While you're turning, my little wife is with me down here on the front row. I'm always so glad to have her here and bless her heart. She's going to have a special crown in heaven because she's been preached to death. <laughs> when she dies, they're going to say, well, she died, and I'm going to say she got preached to death. <laughs> Amen. 1 Timothy chapter Y'all can laugh a little. You know, it's all right. Amen. There's only one place they're not laughing, and I'm not going. Are you able to you hear me? First Timothy chapter 2, I want to begin in verse 4, and I want to ask you, if you will, in reverence to the Word of God, stand with me. First Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men everywhere that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the great privilege of being in your house. Thank you, Lord, that our hearts and our souls have already been challenged and blessed. And God, thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you tonight. And God, I pray as we now turn to this text that you would cause us to continue to worship you. God, I confess before you and your people, I'm unable to bring the message 
that needs to come. So God, I pray you would just dismiss me, just set me to the side, and you preach to us. And I would that Jesus might get all the glory. In his name I pray, amen. You may be seated. There is a common use of a phrase that I really don't care for, and it's when I hear people say something to the effect of the man upstairs. God is more than a man. It's not appropriate to refer to God as the man upstairs because he's so much more than man. And often when I hear that, it is from those who may not know him in any other capacity, and they just kind of, in passing, talk about the man upstairs. I find that irreverent. With all that said, tonight, I want to tell you that there is a man upstairs. The Bible says he is the man, Christ Jesus. So for just a few moments, I'd like to talk about the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. The man, Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that in those first three verses, we find that the Apostle Paul is reminding young Timothy how important it is to pray for those in authority over us. Do you know we ought to pray for those in authority over us? Somebody said, well, I'm not praying for them. I don't agree with them. They're, they, they ride a donkey or they ride an elephant. I don't care what they ride. I'm on Jesus. Amen. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. I see in the text we're supposed to pray for those in authority over us. The first thing I pray for those in authority over me is that they'd be saved. Right. I don't have time. Just stay with me. Amen. Y'all, y'all, y'all come on now. Uh, we ought to be... <laughs> Amen. We ought to be praying for those authority over us, for kings and for all that are authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. Verse 3 says, for this is good. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Why do we pray for those authority over us? Because it's good in the sight of God. I want to do that which is good in the sight of God, don't you? Amen. Don't shout me down. When I think of the man Christ Jesus, I want to show you something that the Bible teaches us. If verse 3 says that these things, praying for those authority over us, is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, and then it comes to a semicolon, which means that it is adjoined to that which is coming after. So when he says, uh, in the sight of God our Savior, verse 4, who, uh, he is talking about God our Savior, who is pleased when we pray for those in authority over us, who, this is still referencing God but what he desires, watch this, our God through the person of Jesus Christ desires that all men to be saved. The man, Christ Jesus, desires all men to be saved. Now, ladies, don't get offended. He's talking about mankind. All of us, if you're breathing, amen, if you're breathing, he desires for all men to be saved. Now, we've got to look at this for a moment because he says, 
to be. There's an action in that. I said there's action in that. You are to be. God desires you to be. Say, that means you didn't just wake up saved. Well, saved. No, that's not how it works. That's not what it means. And if you think that God's just going to point at you and say you're saved, that's not what Scripture teaches. The Bible said he desires all men to be saved. There's some action that has to take place. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in order to get saved, you've got to believe. Our brother quoted the text from Ephesians 2, for by grace, God's invitation, through faith, you're receiving his invitation. Is anybody here? Listen, you're not just saved because you think you're good. You're not saved because you go to church. You're not saved because your mom and daddy went to church. You're not saved because your children went to church. You are saved when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no other way to get saved. I, I talked to people about this. I, I remember talking to a young lady uh, uh, some time ago, and, and she was waiting on my table, and I said, are you a Christian? And she said, well, you know, I used to go to church, and, you know, I, I believe uh, about God, and, uh, well, you know, sort of yes and sort of no. <laughs> Hello? I wanted to help her. No, you're not saved you got to be saved. And when you get saved, you know you're saved. I said when you get saved, you know you're saved. The Bible said that he desires all men who will have all men. That means every race, creed, and color. That means no matter who you think you are or who you wish you were, you must be saved. And God desires salvation for every person. There is not one person on the face of God's earth that he doesn't want to save and there's not one person on the face of God's earth that he can't save and there's not one person on the face of God's earth that he didn't die to save. I believe when the word said whosoever, he meant it. I said when he said whosoever, he meant it. I'm glad to be in whosoever, aren't you? Amen. That helps us, though, because if we know that God's desire is that all men would be saved, he desires all men to be saved. If that's God's desire, then that means we are right on target when we witness to every person we see because they are a candidate to be saved. This bunch of stuff running around that there's only a few saved. Talked to some folks who were a part of some religion, and they, uh, I said, you going to heaven? And they said, well, I don't know. You know, I believe there's only 144,000 going, and I'll just stay here. <laughs> I looked at them and said, well, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going, and I don't want to stay here. And truth is, you're not going to stay here either. <laughs> you going, some of y'all say, I'm just going to stay in Lebanon. No, you're not. You going somewhere. And that will be determined by the fact of whether you've been saved. And the Bible said, 
who will have all men to be saved. Now, how do you get saved? I'm glad you asked. Because he says in verse 4, to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Do you know how people get saved? They come to the knowledge of truth. Do you want to tell you the first truth you got to come to to get saved? Are you ready? You got to come to the truth and the realization that you're lost. I'm finding that day after day after day, the more people I witness to, I got to help them get lost before I can get them one to Jesus. Because they're good enough. They're good enough. I don't understand how you can stand up and be a proponent of complete, disgraceful, ungodly sin and then claim to be a Christian. See, they think they're good enough. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, is what Isaiah said. Uh, the Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us deserves to be in hell. The first truth you've got to come to to be saved is that you're lost. So, so don't go throw a bunch of theological jargon on some lost person. They have no clue what you're talking about. They think they're all right. Help them get lost. Help them get lost. How do you do that? Talk about Jesus. Because when you talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God shows up and reveals their lostness to them. It's not my job to convict them of their sin. That's his job. But in order for that to be fertile ground for conviction, we need to speak truth. I said we need to speak truth. Now, we live in a strange day. I said we live in a strange day. Not a strange day, a strange day. There's a man named Peter Jennings. Maybe you heard of him. You probably saw him on the news. He said this. There is no one absolutely essential truth for all people. Let me say it again. There is no one absolutely essential truth for all people. I'd beg to disagree. And, and I just want to tell you that today Peter Jennings would agree with me. Because on August 9th, August 9th, 2005, Peter Jennings realized one essential truth, and that's that everybody dies. I don't look at me like that. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to get in the rapture. I'm not going to. You're going to die. Even if the rapture comes, this body cannot inherit kingdom of God. It's got to go. Flesh and blood can't handle it. You, you know why? Because, brother, when we get in the spirit and we're about to take a spell, we can't hardly stand it. You ever been in a meeting and you have a spell? Huh? I tell you what, I was in a revival not long ago, and, and, and I gave the invitation, and I just got out of the way, and people started coming. The Holy Spirit of God started moving, and, and we'd all did, did everything had slowed down, and then here it come again. I call it waves. Y'all ever seen waves of the Holy Ghost? Huh? I scared some of y'all because I said Holy Ghost. I know. Wave after wave after wave. I gave the invitation at 8 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, that pastor was climbing into baptistry to start baptizing. Wave. I drugged myself home that night, and I thought, Lord, have mercy. I've never been so tired in my life. 
You know why? Because this body can't take the moving of the Spirit. That's why I'm going to get a new one. Amen. I know y'all looking at me and say, you, you can't improve on what you got, but I'm telling you. We know God did good, but he's going to do better. Amen. <laughs> y'all trying to get me off my point. Now, stay with me. Listen. <laughs> there is an absolute truth. One of them is you're going to die. I got another one for Peter Jennings, and I bet he'd agree with me. There is a heaven and there is a hell. I got another one for you. Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. That's it. That's it. And God desires everybody to be saved. When somebody says to you, well, there is no absolute truth. Here's what you say, okay? Watch this. Watch me go. <laughs> Just laugh right there. You know why? Because what they said is an absolute statement which they just denied could even be possible. Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? They just made the absolute statement. Hello? There is some absolute truth in this world we live in, and his name is Jesus. And he's the only means of salvation, and he desires all men to be saved. Second Peter 3, 5 said, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God will, listen, God's will is for people to be saved, all people, every race, every creed, every color. He desires all people to be saved. When somebody walks up and says, Pastor, would you pray? Would you pray for my son or my daughter, my mom and daddy? Pray they'll be saved. Here's what I pray. Lord, we know it's your will for them to be saved. Some of y'all, yeah, some of y'all so messed up. Lord, if it's your will to save, it's his will. People don't go to hell because he wills them to hell. He wills that they would be saved. People go to hell because they refuse. Hello? They refuse to believe. To be saved requires some action, and it is the action of coming to the understanding or the knowledge of truth, and Jesus is the truth. And here's another bit of truth for you. Hell was never prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. How is it you come to be saved? You believe. And how do you believe? You've got to hear the truth. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Preach the truth. If you're a pastor here tonight, preach Jesus. If you're a lay person here tonight, preach Jesus. Well, I'm not called to preach. No, 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 no. We've all been called to be proclaimers. The word preach, caruso, means to proclaim, and that's what we've all been called to do. And God desires everybody you come in contact with to be saved. Well, preacher, I witness people, and they say no. Well, once you tell them the truth, that's between them and God. Hello, are you here? The man, Christ Jesus, he desires all men to be saved. Let me show you something else, verse 4, verse 5, rather. For there is one God, amen, there's just one. I said there's just one. His name's not Allah. His name's not Buddha. His name is God, capital G-O-D. There's only one. 
Now, there's a bunch of folk propagating a bunch of little G-O-Ds, but that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one God. There's only one. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. There's only one who can go between God and man. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all say, well, when I die, I'm just going to walk up to God and I'm going to ask him a thing or two because I just want to know. I just came to help you. No, you're not. You've lost your ever-loving mind. John in Revelation 1 said, when he saw the Lord, he fell on his face as though he were a dead man. That's where I'm going to be, on my face, just thanking God that I'm there. I, I'm like, Paul, you mean he'd talk to me? He'd save me? He'd let me in here? March up and ask him, my. <laughs> the reason you're not is because you can't get to him. The only way we can get there is through the man, Christ Jesus. There is one mediator. Now, I, I was watching, this has been a number of years ago, I was watching a, a program. I don't know why in the world it came across my television, but this, this woman had a talk show on there named Oprah. I mean, this woman had a talk show. <laughs> and she said, God is like the center of a wheel. And we're all out here on the outer part of the wheel, and all of these spokes are ways to get to God. Y'all might want to be careful who you're getting your theology from. Just thought I'd throw that in. And, and, and this lady who, I, I, did, I don't know her, but she's obviously my sister. <laughs> she stood up and, and, and the lady leading the, the show said, yes, and she said, there's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> to which the lady leading the show said, don't tell me there's only one way. There's only one way. <laughs> I came to tell you there's only one way because there's only one mediator. There is nobody worthy to go to the Father except Jesus. See, see, God is holy. Holy, holy. That's what the book says. He's three times holy God. Amen. Can I get away? Holy, holy, holy. If he's three times holy, how holy do you think you are? I'm glad you answered that because you're right. You're unholy, unholy, unholy. If he's three times holy, we're at least three times unholy. Come on now. Come on. And we're not worthy to go to the Father. When you go to pray, it bothers me. It bothers me when people, oh, Lord, help me. It bothers me. People say, oh, you just say at the end of your prayer in Jesus' name. You just say it because that's tradition for you to do it, and that's just what you do. Let me tell you why I say at the end of my prayer in Jesus' name. You want me to tell you why? Because that's the only way I can get through. It don't work any other way. Who do you think you are that you could call on three-time holy God for anything? 
His holy ears, His holy ears can't take our unholy lips. But God so loved us that He sent Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm not worthy to go to the Father, but I've got a mediator. I've got one that can talk. Listen, when you have a mediator, that means they can talk to folk on both ends. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> when, <laughs> see, when you, have, when you have two parties that are not in agreement, you need somebody that can bring them together. He's called a mediator. <laughs> I can't get to God. <laughs> so God said, I'm going to send Jesus so Rock <laughs> can get to me. Listen, I want to help you right here. Hold on, you're going to like this. Are you listening to me? The Bible said there's one God, one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus stepped out of heaven into Mary's dressing room of a womb and he came forth dressed as one of us. He counted it not robbery to be equal with God and to be robed in flesh. And he did that not so he could relate to us. He did that so we could relate to him. <laughs> he didn't need to relate to us. He made us. <laughs> but because he's holy and we're not, we couldn't relate with him. But he came in flesh and was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And he became our mediator. See, Jesus came so that I could go. I said, Jesus came so you could go because we can't go to heaven any other way. He's our mediator. Now, not only is it that he made a way, but watch this, watch this. He's our mediator. He's our, you know, mediator, let me give you another word, a go-between. See, when I need to talk to the Father, I go in the name of Jesus because it gets through every time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen, I call on the Father, but I call on him through Jesus. Well, are they different? Well, yes, one's the Father and one's the Son, but they still God. Can you explain that? Just did. <laughs> you... You want me in my finite mind <laughs> to, to, to describe infinite mind of God? <laughs> Bless you. Amen. I'm just telling you that I can talk to the Father because Jesus came as my mediator. He came, listen, Jesus came, the Bible said, to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know why Jesus came? So we can get to God. He, he, he's a mediator. He's a go-between. There's another word, and I'm going to use, and it's called bridge builder. Now, some of you may know that that's also the term that's used for a priest. And in Hebrews 8, it said, we have such a high priest. Lord, I wish I had an hour right there. Listen, hold on now. Listen, he is our mediator, our go-between. That means when I go to him, he carries my, my prayer to the Father. Now listen to this, listen to this. The Bible said, Hebrews 7, 25, that he ever liveth to intercede for the saints. <laughs> that means when I call on God, I never get a busy signal. Jesus is always on ready, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he goes straight to the Father. 
Rock needs some help. <laughs> and that's good. But let me show you why he became or how he became our mediator. Verse 5, for there's no God between uh, one, there's one God, one mediator between God and me and the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom. Now, he gave himself a ransom. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that he paid a debt for someone so they could be set free. That's what ransom means. So who did this? The man, Christ Jesus. Christ means Messiah, Jesus, the name given at his incarnation. The anointed one of God came, robed as a man, as a ransom. How did he ransom me? How did he ransom you? How did he give himself? He went to a cross oh, that was made for sinners. He went to a cross that was set up to kill criminals. He went to a cross that was there for bad people to die. And he was not bad. He was not a criminal. And he had no sin. But he who knew no sin went to the cross and he took my sin and he took yours. He laid out on that cross. They didn't throw him down on that cross. Don't you think for a minute they threw him down. He laid down on that cross. I can just see, listen, in my spiritual mind, I can see those soldiers grab it. Say, come on. He said, hold on. Mm -mm. And then he just went and got down on that cross by himself. You're crazy. Well, leave me alone. I'm enjoying being crazy. Because nobody took his life. He gave it freely. Amen. And so he laid down on that cross and nails pierced his hands and his feet. A spear pierced his side. A crown of thorns pierced his brow. And on the cross of Calvary, he shed his life's blood for your sins and mine. And it was enough. It was enough that Jesus died on the cross. It was enough that he shed his blood. There is no sin that his blood cannot cleanse. And so when he died on the cross, he paid that which was required for my life, not because he deserved death, but because I did. And he died on the cross. Paid my ransom. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. The Bible tells us that he paid the ransom. Now, the Bible also says not only that he desires all men to be saved and that he's our mediator, and in that process of becoming our mediator, he paid our ransom. In verse 6, it says, to be testified in due season. That means that at the right time, amen, at the right time, in due season, the Bible tells us Galatians 4, in the fullness of time, Jesus came forth, born of a woman, born under the law. At God's precise time in history, Jesus was born. And Paul said, he desires all men to be saved. He's our mediator who paid our ransom, and he's to be testified of. Let, let me show you what he says in the next verse. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher. Paul said he's to be proclaimed. Hey, Jesus, <laughs> you know, we put pictures on the wall of people we love. He don't need a picture on the wall. He's to be proclaimed. Well, it's, you know, I just have a special relationship with Jesus. Just 
He desires an intimate relationship with you. So you can tell somebody else they can have one too. Is anybody here? Do you know why you've been saved? Well, I do. I've been saved to sit right here on this church pew and shout amen, sing a song every now and again, amen. Bless your heart. That's not in the Bible. I'm in the secret service of the Lord. That's not in the Bible either. Do you know what you've been saved for? You've been saved to be a proclaimer that you're saved. If I had, if I had the cure for the coronavirus, and you said to me tonight, I've got it, I've got the virus, could you give me some of that cure? And I say, no. Y'all would say, he's a pretty sorry dude. Rightfully so, you should say that. What kind of man would I be if I had the cure for your ailment and I wouldn't share it with you? That's a pretty sorry person, would you agree? Am I going to have to connect all the dots here tonight? <laughs> you and I have the exit from hell and the entrance to heaven. And we're supposed to tell folks that. In the state of Tennessee, we're almost 7 million in population. We have approached 4 million lost people in Tennessee. Four million. We are the minority. You know why? Because we have stopped telling people how to miss hell and make heaven. Well, if I start with hell, they'll think I'm a fanatic. I didn't say start with hell. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Well, I don't know how to be a witness. Are you saved? If you've been saved, you know how to be a witness. Just tell them what happened to you. I was lost, but now I'm found. Glory to God. I was blind, but now I... Paul said, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Amen. And we're supposed to be ones too. We're supposed to be telling the good news. The Bible said, I love this. Apostle Paul said, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of Gentiles in faith and verity. And what he's saying is, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. Can I tell you what you need to say to folks? I'm telling you the truth. And I've talked to people who say, I, listen, last week I was preaching over in, in somewhere. I don't know. I was in the middle of nowhere. Okay, I was in the middle of nowhere. That's about five miles from the middle of Tennessee. But anyway, I was in the middle of nowhere, and I left the church where I'd preached, and I was dying. I need a drink of water so bad. I was so thirsty. And so I pulled off at the only convenience store within, I don't know, 150 miles. And so I pulled off. It's a very small town. There's one, it's not even a name brand convenience store. It, it's just this far above being a filling station. Y'all know what a filling station is, though. My boys, 20 and 24, they like, Dad, it's not a filling station. I said, just go on. So I stop at this place just about this much above a filling station, and I go in, there's this teenage girl, and they're working. I get me a bottle of water, and I said, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? <laughs> And she said, no. 
I said, well, I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you. She's kind of getting my change and didn't say anything. And I said, do you believe that? No. I'm not talking about downtown Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, or Chattanooga. I'm talking about out in the middle of nowhere. There ain't no trouble to get into. You got to make up your own trouble. We're that far out. <laughs> and this girl doesn't even know, doesn't even believe that Jesus loved her. Don't look at me like there's no lost people in our state. D don't act like everybody here is saved. You might want to start with folks at church. Listen, listen to me. I'm not being mean. I'm not being a smart aleck. But I've been called to do funerals for some of my church members. And honest before God, I couldn't think of a fruit of God in their life that I'd ever seen. And they'd been in that church for 197 years. You hear me? So do you just lie about it and say something good about them? No, I just preach Jesus, him crucified and resurrected, the only means of salvation. You did that at a funeral? I sure did. Matter of fact, that's what I do every time I have a funeral. My father-in-law, Gerald's daddy, just went home to be with the Lord just Saturday, it'll be two weeks ago, and I was privileged and honored to be able to stand to say a few words at that funeral and to bring a message. And I had some good things to say about my father-in-law. He was a good man. He was an Alabama fan, but God love him. He was a good man. I prayed for him so hard about that. I had some good things to say about him, but I'm going to tell you what. I was never so thrilled that I could stand there and say, it's not just that he was a good man. I want to tell you, he was God's man because God saved his soul. He had placed his trust and his confidence and his hope in Jesus. And that's why tonight my wife and I aren't sitting here crying like we have no hope. Because, bless the Lord, we got hope in heaven because of Jesus. We ought to be preaching him. I'm going to finish right here. I'm about to be through, all right? Amen. Verse 8. I will, therefore, that men everywhere know, that men pray everywhere. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. <laughs> I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, where should we not pray? We've been having all these great discussions about prayer in school. That's the stupidest discussion I've ever heard. As long as you got folks that can pray, you can't stop me. Hello? I'm just telling you the truth. Amen? I'm glad our president signed some, some new laws and things to help us. Amen? Uh, and I'm glad for that. But I'm telling you, my boys went to school and they could pray in public school. And they did. One night my wife called me. I'd been in revival. She said, let me tell you what your son did. And I was like, which one? <laughs> your youngest one. I said, what did he do? He said he led a little boy to Jesus in recess today. I'm like, wait a minute. He can't pray. It's in school. You believe I said that, don't you? Because that following Sunday, that little fellow walked the aisle, made a public profession of faith, and I baptized him. Oh, but you can't pray at school. But that boy did, and he got saved. Amen. We need to start praying. 
Can I tell you something? Quit worrying about where you think you can't pray and start praying where you know you can. I'm sick to death of going to church and we thought we have prayer meeting and don't pray. What is that about? It's like prayer something we throw in there. Hello? Some of y'all come to church and you leave so mad, I don't like what that preacher preached. The reason you don't like it is because you didn't pray for him before he delivered it and it made you mad and you weren't in the right spirit to receive it. You a big milk baby, wanted milk and not meat anyhow. I might come back tomorrow, I don't know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I might have to go with you, brother mine. Amen. Help me, Lord. I, I probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, amen, I did. There it is. We ought to be interested in praying where we can instead of talking about where we can't. He said, I wouldn't pray everywhere. And then he said, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lifting up holy hands. I love that. Without wrath and doubting. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I, I, I've been convicted about this because the Bible tells us that we ought to be lifting holy hands to the Lord. And, and I said, Lord, why don't we do that? And he said, there's, there's not enough holy hands to be lifted. Without wrath and doubting, it means we do not doubt that he is who he says he is. And it means we don't have wrath in our heart toward a brother or sister in Christ. It's hard to come to the house of God and to pray and to praise when you got a hard heart towards somebody else. The man Christ Jesus, he desires all men to be saved. He is our mediator. He is to be preached. And when I see this holy hands and lifting up hands, it tells me that he's to be praised. I said, he's to be praised. I, I don't know why you came tonight, but I hope you came to praise him because he's worthy to be. Why is he worthy to be praised? Because he died on the cross for your sin and mine, shed his life's blood that we could be forgiven, laid in a borrowed tomb and rose on the third day. He lives victorious, see the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for the saint. Do you need any more reason to praise him? We ought to praise him. I'm tired of our churches that are so dead and cold. If somebody did get saved, it'd be like putting a newborn baby in a refrigerator. Well, I don't like that kind of music. I couldn't care less what kind of music you like. We ought to be praising the Lord. And I can praise him with a piano, an organ, a guitar, a bass, or nothing. I don't need an instrument to praise him. I got one. Lord, I wish they'd help me. I, I, I tell you, he's worthy to be praised. I said he's worthy to be praised. As Dr. Lockridge said, he is enduringly strong. Man, I like that. He's in, that ought to be enough reason to get us up off of our seat on our feet and praising him, shouldn't we? Because he's enduringly strong. He, he's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally gracious. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good list right there. That's some good reasons to praise him. Amen? I believe Dr. Lockridge was on to something because those are good reasons to praise the Lord. Why, he's the greatest phenomenon that's ever crossed the horizon of the globe. 
Yes, he is. And he is God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the captive's ransom. He's the breath of life. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in solitude of himself because nobody else is worthy to stand with him. I said he stands in the solitude of himself because nobody else is worthy to stand with him. Why, he's august and unique. He's unparalleled and unprecedented. Uh, He's undisputed and undefiled. He's unsurpassed and unshakable. He's the loftiest idea in philosophy. He's the highest personality in psychology. He's the unavoidable problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the cornerstone, the capstone, the stumbling stone of all religion. He's the miracle of the ages, and he is worthy to... To be praised. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you understand, but, but, but no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. I said no barrier can hinder him from pouring out his... Man, when God wants to bless me, there's nothing you or every demon in hell can do about it. That's good right there. Amen. Why, he forgives and he forgets. Man, I'm about to shout right there. That blesses me, don't it, you? He forgives and he forgets. He's just like y'all. Amen. He creates and he cleanses. He restores and he rebuilds. He heals and he helps. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries. He lifts and he loves. He's the God of the second chance, the fat chance, the slim chance, and the no chance. And he's worthy to be praised. My wish, I wish you'd praise him. Why, his office is manifold and his promise is sure. His life is matchless and his goodness is limitless. His mercy is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. I wish I could describe him, but he's indescribable. I said he's indescribable. He's indescribable. He's indestructible. He's incomprehensible. He's inescapable. He's invincible. He's irresistible. He's irrefutable. I've got to praise him. I can't get him out of my mind. I can't get him out of my heart. I can't outlive him, and I can't live without him. Glory to God. I believe he's worthy to be praised tonight. You see, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Satan tried to tempt him, but he found he couldn't trip him. Pilate examined him, but he found no fault in him. The Romans crucified him, but they couldn't take his life. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. I've come to tell you, he's worthy to be praised. Oh, he had no predecessor, and he has no successor. He's the lion and the lamb. I said he's the lion and the lamb. He is God, and he is man, the man, Christ Jesus. I've come to tell you tonight, he's the seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. That's a moral king. He's the king of the ages. That's an eternal king. He's the king of heaven. That's a universal king. He's the king of glory. That's a celestial king. He's the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. 
and he is beyond my ability to describe him, but he is worthy to be praised. And if you can't praise him tonight, he wants to save you. And if tonight you've never met Jesus, tonight you're not. I said tonight you're not. Oh, I didn't come for that. <laughs> we ain't worried what you came for. We know what he came for. To save you. And he loves you. Well, preacher, everybody here thinks I'm saved. Brother Ricky thought he was saved too. I'd rather die knowing I'm saved and walk around trying to convince all you I think I'm saved. Hey, the Bible said if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and on the third day God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Brother Rock, there's got to be more to it. Well, I confess there is, but Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He just said you got to believe. Would you come tonight and say I'm a sinner and I need a Savior? Yeah, it's as simple as that. But you got to believe. When he said believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, it means not just a simple saying, oh, I believe there's a Jesus. No, it's a believing with such a commitment, commitment and conviction in your heart, your mouth cannot help but testify to it. From the old flow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you don't know Jesus, come. Our pastor will be here, other ministers, I'll be here. Come take one of us by the hand and say, I want Jesus. It'd be the highlight of our day to introduce you to him. Would you come? Would you come? Somebody tonight sits here, you say, preacher, I'm a Christian. I want to ask you something, Christian. Who are you telling about Jesus? Some of y'all will jump up and shout because he's worthy to be praised, but you won't speak his name outside these walls. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? He desires all men to be saved. He's our mediator who paid our ransom to become our mediator. Hello? He is to be preached, proclaimed, and he is to be praised. The man. Christ Jesus, do you know him? And if you know him, are you telling him? Are you telling others about him?